Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to start tonight in, in Matthew 7. Right at the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. In verse 24, Jesus said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and, and does them, I liken him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Now, I want to talk tonight about foundations. Uh, I, for those of you who don't know, I, I, I teach uh, the adult building trades class at, at Mideast. And I tell my guys and girls, uh, there are three things they're going to be real adept at before they leave my class. They're going to learn how to lay out rafters, roof rafters, hip rafters, jack rafters, and valley rafters, common rafters, the whole thing. They're going to know how to lay out the roofs. They are going to know how to lay out steps. If you've ever gone up, maybe your house is an example. If you laid them out, we'll try not to use you for an example. But uh, as, have you ever been in a house or going up a set of steps and the top one or the bottom one's different in height and you almost trip? Guess what? It doesn't have to be that way. They, all your steps should be the same height. And the third thing I tell them is you are going to learn how to lay out a building square. Because if that building is not square, then your block are not square, which means your foundation is not square, which means your walls are not square, which means your roof is not square. And it's a mess. It's a nightmare that will follow you from the foundation up if it is not laid out square. And... In our, our class, I teach my guys the 345 method. Anyone familiar with what it's called as 345? So it's, it's a way to make sure if, if I lay out, if I come out this way, this way three feet, this way four feet, if this building is perfectly square, I can measure between three feet and four foot, and it'll be exactly five feet. And you can use any combination of that, 6, 8, 10. There are other numbers that work too, but we won't go into that. But if, if it is not square, it's an absolute nightmare for a builder or for any, anyone else that has to mess with it. Uh, your floor tile will be a mess. So it has to be square. And there, there is a way the Egyptians laid out their pyramids and they were square. Isn't amazing? No instruments or anything. They just they measured stuff. Well, so it is so in our walk with the Lord. If, this, if we don't start out right, then our whole life gets messed up. 
And, and I fear a lot of people uh, in churches don't have a good foundation. And there, there's something that's out of square, out of kilter. And we're going to look at some scriptures, and I hope you... I hope your foundation is square. Because the, the Word of God says there, there are some ways to tell. And I want to uh, we'll go to the first one, which is in Isaiah 1. If you want to turn there. When I was told about salvation, I absolutely was ecstatic. Because I had gone to church all my life. And, and mom and dad, I think, thought I was a pretty good kid. I think. I think mom was kidding when she said I was the kind she wouldn't allow hers to run around with. I always thought she was joking. I wanted to believe she was joking. But we didn't have the law. I never ended up in jail here in Ohio uh, because I could uh, in our neighborhood I knew the fences in the backyards and there wasn't a cop alive that could keep up with me I should have really gone out for the Olympics but I, I say that to say in our, in our own mind I thought of myself as a pretty good person even though we got into what we got into, I, I thought I was pretty nice. And yet when I heard the gospel, because I, I was taught that you could have big sins and little sins, and you always had to wonder, oh my gosh, when, when it comes time, have I, have I done enough? With, you know, has the good outweighed the bad? Listen, that same thinking can get into us even in a full gospel church, because the enemy just loves that kind of thinking. And I'm telling you that there is freedom in the Word of God as we read it, as, as we understand what God says about our foundation and how it's built. So in Isaiah, we're going to look at verse 18. It says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now, all the years that I went to, to church, I hope I don't offend anyone, but I, I was raised Catholic, and I remember in, in our church, uh, there was... Trying to think as I walked in, I, I think Mary was on the right, Joseph was on the left, and there was a, a crucifix with Jesus on it, in the, right in the middle. And we we were told that if if we would keep certain commandments and we didn't commit mortal sins, then we would go to purgatory. Until we were paid up, and then we could go to heaven. Now, somehow that, that same mindset infiltrates the American church. And we wonder, am I, am I good enough? Have I, have I done enough? 
You ever think that? We, we haven't. That's what the cross was all about. That is what the cross was all about. You understand that when I hear of someone on their deathbed and they're afraid to die, I wonder about them. What, what are they trusting in? Because there's this theme. It's, it's started in the Old Testament and it's all through the New Testament. And this reoccurring theme is faith. It's what separates us from everyone, every other crazy person out there flying planes into buildings. We, it's all about faith. When I heard that I could be justified by faith, that it was what I could, be, if I believed right, it, you understand, what you trust in determines where you're going to spend eternity. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. Look, if, if you are trusting in yourself, oh my gosh, it'll be a sad day for you. When, when Jesus says that wide is the gate that leads to destruction, many are going to be there. He said, but narrow is the way that leads to life. You think, oh yeah, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't, I can't do this, I can't touch that. It's narrow, I can't. Listen, it. It's the cross. It's as narrow as the cross. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's, it's, it's not. We still have this thing, even after we get saved, we, we, the flesh hates salvation. Because the real truth is, that you and I have this side that wants to earn this so we can take some credit for it. Well, I, I know I'm saved, but now at least I'm not like so-and-so. And we compare ourselves among ourselves. That it is a bad thing to do. And I, I'm telling you, if, if you stand before God, and you don't make it in, it would be sad. But to be deceived enough to think that it depended on your good behavior would be even sadder. And I'm telling you what, you're not a good boy. And you're not a good girl. There's no such thing. Not on earth. Maybe on the other side we will be, but not here. I have been saved over 35 years, and I would give anything to be able to think just good thoughts about people. Wouldn't you love that? Just that you just had good thoughts about everyone. And if someone comes to you and says, well, that's me. I just love everyone. I never have a bad thing to say. Don't trust that person with anything, especially your kids. They'll lie about other stuff, too. Turn to Exodus 12. When I, all the times I would see Jesus on the cross, on that crucifix, well, because we had one right down in, in St. Thomas School, too. You'd walk by, it was a, a life-size one. 
and he had a crown of thorns on. He had a spear where it pierced his side and nail marks on his hands and his feet. No one once ever told me all the years I was going to church, being an older boy, no one ever told me how to get to heaven, that I had to be born again. No one ever told me what it, what it took to be born again. I never even heard that scripture, that saying. Rules and regulations, and I say it can happen to you after you get saved, you find yourself in it, being, becoming a legalist, a Pharisee. We were reading about the Pharisees today in Sunday school. Jesus had his worst nightmare from Pharisees, scribes and Pharisees and high priests and elders and Sadducees and all these religious people because this just doesn't comprehend up here. It makes no sense. Why in the world someone would give his son who knew no sin to become sin for us? You figure that one out. How many of you have sons? Would you ever give one of them for someone else, especially for a sinner? Oh, my gosh. And yet he commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. In verse 1, in Exodus 12, it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Oh, my gosh. We read this so fast. God saw this so important that he changed the calendar. I don't know what month it was, but I know one thing. He said, starting today, this is January 1st. This is the first day of the year now. That should be an eye-opener. He says, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire and herbs, with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with the water, but roasted in fire its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it, with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, 
and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout all your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by, by an everlasting ordinance. He said, I want you to remember this. They had instructions of what they had to do. Now, unbeknownst to them, all that's happening is that God is pointing them to the cross. Right? Because we see in John 1, 29, John the Baptist is baptizing people in the Jordan River, and he sees Jesus coming. Verse 29, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who... Yeah. He takes away the sin of the world. He takes it away. I know. I expect that response. Listen, it's a dead zone. It, it somehow is not making it here. He has taken away our sins. Our only hope for heaven is that God has taken away our sins. When he sees the blood, not when he sees how good we are. Because we're still not good. I've been behind some of you driving. And some of you may have been behind me. What proof other than that do you need? We're not good. We can't think good thoughts. Our only hope is in the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If that isn't good news, I've never heard good news. He takes our sins away. Turn to John 5. Oh, I love, we, we're going through the gospel of John in Sunday school. I love this gospel. I love the gospel of John. I love the word of God, but I love John's gospel. Do you believe the word of God? I believe the word of God. I, I, matter of fact, I have staked my eternity on the word of God. Eternity. I have staked on what is written on these pages right here. My whole eternity. Look at verse 24. This is Jesus talking. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and does what? Believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Look at these next words. Shall not come in to judgment. Oh my gosh, Lil, it is wonderful news. We do not come into judgment, but we have been passed from death to life. We do not come into judgment. Not if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Christ was judged for our sins. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It's not our ability to be good. If I can't be good, neither can you. You're made of the same thing I am. My hope is in the cross of Christ. Period. Nothing else. I can't add to it. I don't want to add to it. My hope is in what Jesus has done 
at Calvary. That's why it's good news. That is good news. Oh my gosh. If you are bored with being a Christian, you need to step back and say, am I really saved? Because how in the world this gets old, I don't know. He didn't even, we didn't even choose him, he chose us. It's like we've had nothing in this. He just came looking for the lost sheep. Here we are. And he found us. Carol, he found us. We've had nothing in it. And instead of giving, all the kids know me. And it's not because of Tic Tacs, it's because I'm nice. I give them to them. I don't ask them, have you been good today? I just give them Tic Tacs. Listen, we, we live by this same thing. We think, well, if I'm good, God's going to do this. If I'm good, God will do that. No, it says God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. How many of you ever reward your kids for being bad? And yet, at our worst, he gave his best. At our worst, he commended his love toward us. Jesus said, yeah, I'll go for him now. When you and I were doing things no one on earth still knows about. If I've done them, you have too. Everyone's got that side no one knows about. That was a real good opportunity to amen, but you missed it. Look at verse 25. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of God, of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he's the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those that have done good, not those who are good, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Can you imagine the resurrection of condemnation? Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? For the believer, there is no condemnation. There is no judgment for the believer. Not if you are saved. doesn't mean we never fall. It means we are trusting in the blood of Jesus. God looks on the heart. If you're playing games, it's a different thing. But I'm telling you, our hope is in the cross. We need to get back to hoping in the cross. Trusting in the cross. Trusting in the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10. I love the Word of God. I love the Word of God. Verse 1 says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. You understand the Jews still do that. They still do that. Remember, it's, it was an everlasting covenant. For then they would not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers once purified who have, have had no more conscience of sins... But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. 
For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Behold the Lamb of God. That's what he does. It's a shadow of the things to come. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you've prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you've had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it's written to me, to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. Talking about covenants here. By that? Will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all? We've been sanctified. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. I always wondered, I went to Mass, how come I left feeling the same way I went in? I thought, this is a waste of time. Even when I was an older boy, I'd be this far away from the priest. I'd be dumping the wine into his chalice. I'd, I'd, I'd have a towel wrapped over me to dry off his hands after I washed them. I mean, I was close. You would think, if anyone's going to feel God, Surely someone doing that never did. Never did. Matter of fact, when I was in there, Father, Father Martineau, who was an alcoholic, all he would say when I'd pour the wine, said, put it all in. I never, I never felt changed there, ever. Matter of fact, if you've ever been to a, a, a Catholic funeral, God bless you, you endured. Because it is the most depressing thing on planet Earth. If the message isn't enough, the music would kill you. I am serious. Oh my gosh, it was depressing. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That's you and I. I'm going to keep reading. This is, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, in, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm so glad you've heard of, of rose-colored glasses. Well, Jesus has blood-colored glasses. God, God looks at us through blood-colored glasses. And when he sees us, he sees the blood. This, this is the foundation. 
I'm telling you, if, if it's anything other than this, you got boogered up. It's bad teaching. Because our hope, anytime your hope is in you, you're in trouble. Our hope has got to be in the cross of Christ. Period. Oh my gosh, if you get this, it'll set you free, I promise. Your feet will dance. You will want to jump up and down. Because I have been justified by His blood. Oh my God, me! On Eastman Street, raised on Eastman Street. I mean, I, I guarantee you there wouldn't have been a woman up there that would have not bet against me. Oh my gosh. Stealing their apples and then throwing them at them. I hate to even tell that story. I wish it was the worst. I guarantee you. Maybe there was one of them. Maybe it was Sadie praying for me. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is one thing. I'm here and I'm saved and it ain't my fault. That I, I'm, I'm still here. That God chose me. I didn't choose him. I know one thing. He loves me with an everlasting love. An everlasting love. And when the enemy comes at you and he tells you otherwise, you need to go to these scriptures. So no, that, no, that's, that's not the voice of my father. He may chasten those who he loves, but I'll tell you what, he never hates me. He knows how to get my attention, but he's never hated me. He loves me with an everlasting love. You hate your kids? Says if you love them, you're going to discipline them, right? So, what do you expect? Any less more from any less from our heavenly Father? He loves us. He he disciplines us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. God loves me. I can believe He loves you, but He actually loves me too. He does. Didn't wait on me to clean up. He just commended his love toward me while I was yet a sinner. He loves me with an everlasting love. He, God, the maker of this universe, loves Bruce Gebhardt. He lo- I know it is hilarious, Hayes, but he does. He loves me. He lo- I'm not saying it. I'm not, a, I'm not being egotistical. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. God loves me. And you. And you. Listen to this, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. The first one listed, He forgives all of your iniquities, even the one the enemy's been reminding you about. Because that's what He does. That's what the accuser of the brethren does. He comes to you, He gets in your ear and says, If they only knew. Yeah, well, God knows. And he still loves you. I don't care if anyone else knows. All I know is God loves me. God loves me. He loves me. He loves you. It's not your fault. What do your children have to do for you to love them? You wait and see if they're going to be good. Don't touch them when they're when they come out of the womb, oh, wait, we'll see how this goes. How <laughs> oh, we just have a love for them, right? Listen, that's what God does. We're His children. 
He, he doesn't wait and see whether or not we're going to be bad. He knows we're going to be bad. And he still loves us. He made a way for us to go to heaven. That's what the cross was all about. Let's read on. He heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, I would say, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who wouldn't want to serve a God like this? Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his way to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Aren't you glad? Oh my gosh. It tells us in Micah, he loves mercy. He delights in mercy. Our God does. He loves giving mercy. He's not like us. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. You know who he dealt with? That's who he dealt with. He dealt with his son. It doesn't make sense, does it? He dealt with the one who knew no sin. Not all the sinners. He dealt with the one who became sin. He's not dealt with us according to our iniquities. We're still here. We're not dust. Oh my gosh. God help us. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he do you see the next word? He's removed. He's removed our transgressions from us. East never meets west. There's a north pole and there's a south pole. There's not an east pole or a west pole. They don't meet. That's how far he has removed. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the only way he can see us sinless. He took the sin away. Have you ever had, anything, had anyone take anything from you? You don't have it anymore. That's deep, isn't it? We are splitting atoms now. If he takes our sin away, we don't have it anymore. Oh, God help us. This is too deep for us, isn't it? I can't, who can take this in? Because God says, my ways aren't your ways. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. They're a lot higher. Because who in the world would ever think that God would just take our sins away? We didn't have to do anything. Does it make sense to you? If it does, you come up here and you explain it to me. Because I can't understand that kind of love. And yet that's how much he loved us. That's how much God loves us. Oh, yes, he does. Me and you. Well, I found a brand new scripture. I want you to see it here. John 3, starting verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever... Uh-huh. You see it? And we know this too, too good. That's our problem. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
everlasting life. Listen to this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He didn't come. That voice of condemnation you hear is not from your father in heaven. It's not. Your father does not talk to you like that. Condemnation. Well, you're no good. You'll never amount to anything. You're the worst preacher with. I know he tells you that. I know he tells you. You're the worst Sunday school teacher. You think, why are you even working in the nursery? You're not doing any good back here. You understand? He tells us all the same thing because he's the father of lies. He doesn't tell us God loves us with an everlasting love. That's what it tells us in Jeremiah. I've loved you with an everlasting love. With loving kindness, I have drawn you. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. You realize how good he is that he would send his son for us so that we could spend eternity with him. There's only one reason he could ever do that. He must love us. He mu- what else would be his incentive? He wants us to spend eternity with him. And so he made a way for it to happen. But it had to be someone who was spotless, who had not sinned. So God sends his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to take our place on the cross. Thanks be to God for this unspeakable gift. Oh, my gosh. How can this get old? I just don't understand. I don't understand. Second Corinthians 5. Oh, it gets gooder. Mm-hmm. Verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Can you say amen? Oh, my gosh. I love this life. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself. How? Through Jesus Christ. We've been reconciled to God. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, but has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I love this word imputing. This word imputing in the Greek means to take an inventory. So when God takes inventory of us, he doesn't see sin. He sees the blood of his son that was paid to purchase our redemption. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. It's good news. It is good news. This means, say, I can live 
Like I want to live now then. I don't have to. But you're crazy if you do. And you're not saved. Because the real mark is if anyone's in Christ, we just read it, they're a new creature. But now, you understand, I, I, the easiest way to explain this to people is that when I became saved, I changed masters. The old master was not very nice to me. That one came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So if your name is written in the book of life, you have abundant life. You have abundant life. Slap yourself. Better yet, slap the one next to you. Listen, say, wake up. I have abundant life. I'm on my way to heaven. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life because of what Christ has done for me. All I did was say yes one day. Okay, I'm going to repent of my sins. I'm going to follow you. And then what? And then you're saved. It is as simple as that. Paul said, I fear you left the simplicity that's in Christ. You've been corrupted from the simplicity. Her pastor Joe say he was, he was drunk when he got saved. Uh, you figure that one out for me. That makes sense to anyone? Oh, he must not have really gotten saved. I think he did. From everything I can tell. That's what we do in our own mind. We fashion what someone has to look like to be saved, how they got to do this, how they got to do that. And we, I'm telling you, it's this woven all throughout the Word of God. We are justified by faith. By faith. It tells us in Galatians 2.21, if righteousness comes by the law, Christ is dead in vain. He died for nothing if you and I can get to heaven by being good. We can't. And it's a good thing because we're not good. You're not good. Just take that. You're not good. And neither am I. No one in this place is good. There was only one who was good and they crucified him. The only one who was ever good. We can do good, but we can't be good. We tell you... Tell the kids, oh, if you be good, Santa Claus will come. They can't be good. They cannot be good. <clears throat> Galatians 3. I'm sorry, Galatians 5. Verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Remember, that, that's the Abrahamic covenant. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Like telling God, okay, you saved me, now I'm good enough, now I'm just going to be good. 
How long does it, did it take you after you got saved to realize you weren't good? Okay, no, I'm not, okay, from now, I'm not going to do this from now on. How's that working for you? I've been saved 35 years. It's still a war. I'd love to love everyone. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. You have the same heart I do. You can act all pious and everything, but you have that in you because it's in me. It's called a fallen nature. And all it does is point us to the cross and make us realize our hope has to be in Jesus, not in us. Because in us, that is in our flesh, dwells no good thing. Can you say amen to that? No good thing. We don't naturally think good thoughts. We naturally think evil thoughts. When someone comes to us with a problem, we automatically know why they're having problems. Isn't that amazing? They don't even have to tell us. We can read their minds. It's called a fallen nature. We can figure out everyone else's problem, although I think we could see better if we took the beam out of our eye to take the splinter out of there. I'm telling you, it's a war. Your name is written in the book of life. We are justified by faith, and the war begins, and the flesh wants to take credit for it. Well, I, I must be arguing. You know, look at me. I mean, I'm not. I'm not drinking now. So you go to hell sober. What good does that do? I remember I was probably saved about six months. I say, I said, Lord, it's amazing. I I love, I was just a baby, just sucking up all the milk I could get. I said, this, I love this life, Lord. I can't believe what you've done. Uh, You know, I know I'm a new creature. And I asked God, you know, I mean, what? What else could could possibly need to take place in my life? I mean, what else could you want to deal with? Within 10 seconds, there probably came 20 things. I said, okay, okay, I'll work on these. I'll get back with you. You know, because as God shows us, as we walk with him and walk closer, yes, we're to die daily. Stuff's supposed to peel off of us, but that can't be our hope for entering heaven. Okay, now I finally got good enough because I quit doing this or I quit doing that. I'm telling you as a brother in Christ, if that is your hope, you will not be on the other side. If your hope is in your behavior, you will not make it. Trust me. You will not be there. You will not be there. Because God's looking for the blood, not for you. Or me. He's looking for the blood. Jesus said, I know my sheep. We could have read it in John 5, verse 22. says, the Father judges no man, but he's committed all judgment to the Son. He stands right, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. All that's going to happen when I die, and one day I will. All he's going to do is look at the Son and say, yep, that's Bruce right here, look. Book of life. That's how we get there. Romans 5. Oh, God's word spells it out. Verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, which, by the way, means 
This justified means to render or to regard innocent. That is how God sees us, you know. If you're born again, He sees us as innocent. That's how we get to heaven. I believe it if you don't. I still believe it. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. It's amazing, isn't it? Much more than having now, do you see that word now? I'm justified now. I'm justified now by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, we, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. You see it? Now. Now. Not when we get good enough. Not when we finally perform like we're supposed to. You've heard pastor talk about the never-ending ring we keep trying to get. That's, that's a picture of it. We can't do it. It's impossible. That's why there was a cross. That's why there was a Lamb of God to take away our sins. We can't do enough. We can't. Or the cross was a waste of time. Verse 17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, and much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, that was Adam, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, Jesus, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. We have been made righteous by Jesus Christ's obedience to the cross. Good news. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is why I'm not afraid to die. This is why. I'm not hoping in me. I'm hoping in what Christ did. To me, now I'm perfect. And now, no, are you serious? Anyone who knows me doesn't need to even entertain that question. But God sees me as perfect. He sees me as sinless. 
You need to be nodding your head. This is the word of God. He sees me as sinless because when he sees the blood, he passes over me. When he sees the blood, he passes over you. You know who's going to be in heaven? Those who have been covered by the blood. They're the only ones. Those are the only ones who are going to heaven. Those whose hope is in the blood of the cross. No man comes to the Father but by me, Jesus said. It's the only way we get there. So I'm asking you tonight, what's your hope? Are you hoping in the cross or are you hoping in yourself? It's going to be one of the saddest days ever. I don't know how it all plays out. I don't know how, whether we're single file. I don't, I don't know how it works. But I don't know what's going to happen when we get close enough to the front of the line where we start recognizing screams and voices. And I think it would be so, so hurtful to hear someone you knew you, you went to church with and hear, hear the word spoken to them, depart from me. I never knew you. Go to the place where prepared for the angel and his, the devil and his angels. Because trusting in the wrong thing. Oh, I pray, church, tonight you're trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ, not trusting in yourself. Not trusting in your church attendance, not trusting in your tithing. God is not impressed that you speak in tongues. That's a gift he gave you. It's not like a badge you wear. There is still no good in us. The only good in us is God. He's the only good. If he is not who you are trusting, if you're trusting in yourself, oh, you need to come to this altar and repent. Look, if you're trusting in him, your day of death It's not going to be one to be feared. I've been to the deathbeds of those who have known Christ and those who haven't. A brother I used to go to church with, I remember he told me when his mother was dying, he was an only child. His, mom, his dad and his mom were right there in the bedroom. She was laying on the bed and he had hold of her hand and her last words were, Kinsey, let go of my hand. Here comes my chariot. I'll take that. That's someone who's trusting in the cross. We've heard of other stories. Pastor and I visited a, a lady. He and I and two other brothers from this church went and visited a lady and tried to offer her Christ and she would not. Receive it. She had, she had money in Swiss bank accounts. She left a half a million dollars to the apes at the Columbus Zoo. Good stuff, right? That's not a bad thing if you're an ape. But none of those things could get her into heaven. And do you know that she could not receive Christ? I saw, it's the first time in my life I saw someone wait too long. And through tears. She sat on her bed. I said, Dolores, you, 
You have to receive Christ. It's as simple as this. You repent of your sin. You ask God to receive you, to forgive you, and then you receive Christ as son. You invite him into your life, and your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And she looked at me just as sincere as you could look at someone. She said, I, I can't. I never knew you could get to that place, but you can. She said, I can't. And so, unless something happened between the last visit from a brother in this church and when she left earth, she's not on the other side. She was trusting in herself. What are you trusting in? Do you understand you can come to this church your entire life and not make heaven? If you're not trusting in the blood of Jesus, I'm telling you with as much love as I can muster up, you will not be on the other side. Unless you're trusting in the blood of Jesus, you will not be there. When the saints go marching in, you won't be in that number. You've got to trust in the blood of Jesus for your righteousness. That's the three, four, five. That's the squaring of the foundation right there. Then everything on that is going to be all right. But that has to be the foundation. I'm trusting in the blood of Jesus that when he sees the blood, he passes over me. I'd love to know that as a kid. I was told so many lies. Of course, they didn't know. All they were doing was tell me lies they had been told. Just stuff made up. The unforgivable sin was suicide. Uh, all kinds of stuff we were told. It's not in here. Once, once you become enlightened and you say, wait, wait a minute. Wait, this is making sense now. When, when I was told that I could know that I was going to heaven, it's, oh, oh, sign me up. What do you have to do for this? Well, you've got to repent. You've got to admit you're a sinner. That was not a problem. I knew darn well I was a sinner. So do you repent. You have to turn away from your sin and say, okay, I'm, I'm turning my back on them. And you pray and you receive Christ. You accept the payment he paid on the cross for your sins. And you're born again. You've put your shoes on. You've begun the race. And it's a great race. Is it not? It's a great race. Why any world, anyone would want to live for the enemy, I'll never know. All he does is steal, kill, and destroy. And there are times people have to think, eeny, meeny, mutt. Which one should I? And one wants to give us eternal life, abundant life. The other one wants to kill us, and we got to think about which one. Hmm. If you your kids were thinking that, you'd choke them. Say, what are you thinking? And yet we think that way sometimes. The flesh is an awful thing, is it not? And the flesh deceives us and wants glory for what's going on in our life, even when it's good. Oh, yes. Because you're good now, you're changed. You're, yeah, you've come a long way. Oh, don't, I, I, I. I encourage you, don't ever say that. That's craziness. You will be humbled so quick, it won't be funny. Look, 
I've never been very good at closing. And I, I'm just going to tell you as simply as I can put it. If you're here tonight and you're trusting in anything but the blood of Jesus, you need to come to this altar. It's as simple as that. Because if you are, you're not saved. If you're trusting in anything but the blood of Jesus, I don't care if you play in a band, if you preach, whatever you do, if you're, if you're trusting in anything but the blood of Jesus, you will not be on the other side. And I promise you that God will play back this night. Well, if I go forward, everyone's going to know I'm not, got, not saved. We'll find out anyway. We're going to find out. So is that you? If that's you, you got music you can play, Pat. If that's you, you just need to come up here. Ask God to forgive you. I want, I didn't know this. Isn't it simple? Isn't it simple? Really, salvation is almost too good to be true. If it was anyone else but God. But it is true. There is one way to get to heaven. It's through the blood of Jesus. The altars are open. If you come up here, someone will pray with you.